Welcome into House Wrestling, everybody. It's me, Nick Hausman. Come on in, take your shoes off, hat. It is hot here. It's sweltering more than 100 degrees in Chicago, Illinois, where the foundation of House of Wrestling is at. So come on in. The fireplace is off today. I am running the air conditioner. And sitting here in this very well air-conditioned living room is our very good friend, Matt Kuhn. Matt, thank you so much for coming back to House Wrestling to chat some pro wrestling with me. Man, it is great to be here in 100 degrees. You know, spoiler alert, uh, our grandkids might not make it because it is not good, man. It is not good. I heard uh, I heard that the ocean in Florida got up to 100 degrees itself like a month ago or something like that. And so it's it's uh, things are looking a little enjoy life while you can, folks. Enjoy it. Starting on an upper here today on House of Wrestling. I had a small tangent. I'm doing physical therapy right now for my neck. Yesterday, I was, uh, you, you get laid on these tables, and you have no idea whoever you're going to be doing physical therapy next to. Yesterday, it was kind of this older woman. She was very nice. For whatever reason, we started talking about climate change, and I said, oh, well, a lot of people will be moving to Chicago in years to come. She started complaining about the crime in Chicago, and I pointed out to her, yeah, but we got all the fresh water here. That's why everybody's still going to come. And she, I, like, I blew her mind. Like, she just sat there like, oh, Oh, that's so, oh, oh, it's true, you know? You got to be careful who you get into conversations with, Nick. That's the general rule. Yeah. Oh, she was very nice. It wasn't yeah. contentious or anything, but she didn't think about the water. Um. Anyway, none of this has anything to do with what we're talking about Nothing. today. We're going to talk about all about pro wrestling. And if you are watching us here right now talk about pro wrestling, you are watching us on the Premier Streaming Network. Tuesday, Thursday, noon Eastern, come on by the Premier Streaming Network to catch all brand new episodes of House of wrestling great co-hosts like our friend matt coon here uh we've had uh we've had sean ross sap on uh we have steve fall on from time to time lots of great names uh so come check us out here lots of great guests later on in the show today you're gonna hear uh my SummerSlam conversation with zoe stark zoe stark in the house here today um and it's a great conversation i hope you guys enjoy it quite a bit um if you are enjoying house of wrestling of course we are a website houseofwrestling.com H-A-U-S of wrestling.com. We are seeing, we're seeing better. We're seeing a lot more viewers. We're seeing a lot more views, page clicks these days, Matt. Um, so something is resonating. And I thank you all so much for coming and checking out all the great content. Just this morning, more highlights from my conversation with Conan. He's talking about pairing up Sam Adonis with QT Marshall down in AAA right now, which I I think would be great. I think it'd be a very good pairing. Um, Chad Gable commented on his Gunther five-minute match. Uh, Lucas Middlebrook, our labor lawyer friend, had a real harsh warning for WWE talent under Endeavor's leadership going forward, Matt. I don't know if you heard that particular conversation, but I think knowing your interest in pro wrestling news, uh, you might want to check out yesterday's conversation with Lucas. It's all about the UFC class action lawsuit, questions it raises about WWE's practices. I don't know how familiar you are with any of that that's going on right now. Not so much. I know that, uh, generally speaking, when larger companies buy smaller companies, it's not good for people who work for those companies. No, it is not. So we'll find out more. But that's all going to be a very fluid situation. Anyway, a lot more exclusives I could prattle off here. Go to HouseOfWrestling.com. Um, before we get into all this big AEW all-in news, there's a little bit of WWE news to get into as well. Obviously, Matt, you've been MIA. You haven't been podcasting. A lot of people haven't heard from you. The last time you were podcasting, it was alongside uh, FTR's Dax Harwood. You guys made news on a consistent basis. Now, uh, it has been uh, six days since the news of Cash Wheeler's uh, arrest broke. 
Um, we'll get into the fallout for it or lack thereof here in just a moment. But um, having knowing these guys, Matt, having worked with these guys, uh, what was your reaction to this news? And now that we've kind of seen as much of it come out as I think we'll know, obviously, for the time being, how do you feel about the situation as it stands? Well, the first reaction I had when I see uh, something happen to my friend was, holy crap, I hope he's okay. Um, I hope everything's okay for him. And then it's like, what? No, this isn't, you know, no. This isn't what it is. You know, this isn't what I'm seeing. And then I see all the people jump online, like, you know, with their jokes. And it makes you think, because I'll do it too, right? If something happens, I'll jump on some jokes. And there's real people involved. And then when you see, you know, when you see the initial complaint by the complainant and you compare it to the court date, you realize some things may have changed in the last couple of weeks. Um, when I look, I don't know anything about the situation. I have not talked to Cash about it. But I will say that um, it's a fluid situation. I wouldn't be surprised if more truth comes out. As Tony Khan said, it's inconclusive in a lot of ways. And I think when the truth comes out, I think hypothetically, it looks like a very, uh, it looked like a mutual situation where one person decided to write a report and make the other person look as terrible as possible. And, you know, generally speaking, I think if the situation was what the complainant said, it sounded like a madman on the road and he wouldn't be let loose for $2,500. Yeah, and it was noted, of course, in the arraignment that no no previous record, no violent offenses. That's why he was given such a light sentence here. And there is a lot of stuff still to come out about this. Um, uh, from our And publicly, uh, we did find out on the media call this week from Tony Khan um, that, of course, A, the match is still very much on. No, no worry about FTR and Young Bucks not happening. Um, and, you know, one of the things I was most interested in, and I think a lot of fans have been kind of interested in, is like, who knew what? and win about this situation because you know i put out the report on friday at the end of the day about how i had talked to several talent that did not expect this news to come in i'd even talked to some people that you know higher up the chain that i thought would have known about this i didn't seem to know it tony khan got asked by john pollock on the call you know when did you find out about it and thank you john for asking that question by the way um and tony you know conceded he hasn't known about this situation that long He's still gathering the facts, and he said at the very end he's been gathering the facts over the past several days, which is not a week, if you know how several days comes across when you say it. So, you know, it is surprising to me, Matt, that nobody seemed to expect this coming out. Like, what do you what do you think that we should gather about the fact that, like, yeah, people that maybe should have been braced to to at least talk to the press about it, like we're completely blindsided by this news. I would say that it's assuming a lot, you know, to to say that Tony Khan did not know and their head of legal did not know, you know, from what I know about the guys and I do know the guys, it would seem very out of character for them to, to not tell anybody, you know, to not say anything to anybody. Like even if they weren't guys of high court character, which they both are, by the way, cash Wheeler, Daniel Wheeler, is the nicest, coolest person, sweetest, most accommodating, just easiest to get along with person I've ever met in my life. But even if they weren't that way, they're smart. They're not dumb. They're not going to hold something back from their boss, you know? So I, I, I would guess 
that that was Tony's usual quick PR 101 answer. And it doesn't really reflect the fact that, you know, I think the, the arrest happened a couple weeks before. Um, and I'm pretty sure he would have had to know about it. I, I like I said, I don't know if they're for a fact, but I can't imagine it being any other, any other way. I, I can't, I, Matt, I, that's why I, I can't believe it either. But every time I ask somebody about it, I can't get a conclusive answer. And then the one answer we've gotten from Tony on the record is I haven't known about this that long. And then he couched it with several days at the end of it. Right. I mean, that's all, that's literally all I have to go on right now. And I, I, I you know, like a lot of things, it's like, uh, we, we used to say on my old show, Russell's own daily, you caught the pig, right? It's like trying to catch a greased pig. That's kind of what this one is with Tony, where you're trying to get an answer. And every time you kind of have the pig, the pig just kind of slides out of your arms. You know, that's that's kind of how I feel about Tony in this situation with his response. You know, and, and honestly, I think that when it turns out, and I believe it will turn out, but it's nothing. And if charges dropped, you know, and if this doesn't turn out to be anything, which knowing cash and, and knowing a little bit about the situation and just observing it, I think will happen. This becomes less and less of an issue. And I think more and more of an issue is just people's reactions online, you know, to things that people are just accused of. Right. You know, when, when someone like Cash Wheeler is accused of something, it's it's like he's guilty of it. And, man, I've been guilty of it myself, too. Like, I've done that, too. Like, online, when I see someone get accused of something, I'm like, well, look at them. Ha, ha, ha. But now it's someone I like and someone I know and someone I don't believe did the things that are in the complaint. So honestly, it's making me think, hey, maybe I need to take a different approach online to some of these things because these are real people involved. And man, if 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 some of these accusations, which I believe the complaint is not 100 percent on the, you know, not I, I believe the complaint isn't a true reflection of what may have happened, you know. I think it 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 behooves us sometimes just to pump the brakes a little bit before we just start getting our decision machines going in our heads. You're right, and it is one side of the story, 100%. You know, the only the only issue I have with this is kind of is the optics of it, right? And kind of the because you're 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 putting yourself in a position where you don't know all the answers. And when you're in a position of the unknown of the the unknown unknown, I forget what that phrase is, whatever. When you're in that position where you don't know all the facts, um, you can get caught off guard, right? And I know that that's obviously a line that Tony is openly walking right now. He said it out loud. He's like, I don't know all the facts. I'm keeping an eye on this. He kind of left like a 5% chance. Maybe something does happen where this match doesn't uh, happen in his response. And I think I think that it's not a passive judgment on Cash, Daniel, whatever you want to call him, because it's like a real life situation now. Because I've, I'm with you, man. I've worked with him on the independence. I worked with him in Billy Corgan's Resistance Pro Wrestling. I told him to jump off of some, some very high uh, balcony spot. Guess what? He did it. He was awesome. He was a badass, right? Reconnected uh, this past SummerSlam weekend or past WrestleMania weekend as well when he was doing signings. Great guy. I, I don't want to believe this either. And, you know, whatever. But optically, Matt, like this isn't like a this isn't a case of like you know the Me Too movement where it's an open accusation where it's in the public to decide. This is a legal matter that is being looked into and is unresolved. And I can see where there would be a moment of pause, regardless of your feelings, where you just have to say, "Hey, 
this is a little bit different. You know what I mean? And if there's, there's, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. If there's truth to it. Right. Right. And I'm, I'm saying unequivocally, there is no way in hell that this car passed Daniel Wheeler's car and Daniel Wheeler was bearing down on him with a gun. (laughs) I'm telling you, there's no way I know Daniel Wheeler and I've seen him get upset at airports before, and I've seen him get annoyed at things before. That is not him, man. He, that is not him at all. Like, he might, at the very worst, maybe, like, in a one in a million situation, he might be like, hey, pull over. Let's talk. You know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's he's kind of a badass. But sure. there is no way in hell that he, I mean, you look at the story, it's like, it's according to the complaint, Cash is even looking at the road. He's just holding the wheel and staring at the guy bearing down on him. 100% that didn't happen. So everything you're saying optically is true, but sometimes accusations are made that aren't accurate. Yeah. Hey, and that is that is the line that everybody around Cash – and look, hey, if you're talking about building up goodwill and you're having, your friend's having your back when you're in a bad spot – that is the definition, I think, of, of what is going on here with Wheeler because everybody to a T is lining up and defending this guy in a very hard situation. So I hope it is dismissed very, very shortly. I hope this is all behind us very, very quickly for all the reasons we've talked about here today. I would just be remiss if I did not point out the elephant in the room that this is still an unresolved legal matter. And even Tony Khan himself in his response did seem to couch it with fluid situation. I'm watching the facts as they come in. We'll make we'll make calls as they go. But they're moving forward. And last night, man, if you were distracted by this Wheeler news, they did a pretty good job, I think, of reining you back in to the dynamic between these two tag teams and the sit down they did on Dynamite. The Young Bucks making the case that they're the reason FTR even has a job and are there, whereas FTR making the case that while you guys are the foundation, uh, a new layer of cement has been laid, and we are now keeping the house uh, <laughs> built as it stands. Uh, Matt, what? How did you feel about the way they they put a little heat here on this match just days before Wembley Stadium? I said it on Twitter. Um, I've been in situations with Matt and Nick Jackson in real life where they were unhappy. I've seen Dax unhappy, and I've seen Cash unhappy. They all looked very angry at each other <laughs> yes they did didn't you. they it felt it, real it, yeah it, it looked very like i was thinking if this if they're not all pissed off like that's dax's look when he's trying not to say something that will that will um make things worse you know and that's matt's look when he's trying to not say something worse that he wants to say it seemed very real to me some of the content's interesting, you know, like like when you say, um, oh, well, we made you. Bro, your show at best got like 300,000 views a week on on uh, on BTE. God bless you. It did start all in. But we're talking about, you're talking about a WWE team that's doing 2 million views on Raw every single week, regardless of their position, and to say you made them when they were clearly bigger names, like clearly in inside the niche of the wrestling you know, the wrestling hardcore, you you knew who the Bucks were. But, like, really, they were glomming more off of the Revival's fame than vice versa. Like, the, the Revival, if you look at Cody Rhodes, uh, or let's see, if you look at Roman Reigns' numbers, like on Google Trends, compare it to, to, like, Kenny Omega's. It's ridiculous. 
its multiples, right? The WWE, especially at that time, had a much higher platform than anything that BTE was doing. Of course, BTE started all in, due respect. But to say that particular line is a little bit laughable, you know, that they made them because I think FTR reacting to what they were doing on BTE was better for BTE than it was for FTR. Yeah, and it's an interesting, it it was very interesting hearing them being so adamant about how they built this place. Without them, there is no that. And it very much feels to me like the, the trimmer that's been going on the whole time between them and CM Punk right now that escalated to violence, which is whose house is this, right? And I think that if the, I think that, Man, I don't. I don't want to say this in a way that's going to upset people. I, I, I think it is a little much to say that you are the foundation when the real foundation is Tony Khan, right? Because the truth is, Tony Khan saw a vehicle he could use to attach his money to to build to something bigger than the vehicle he was attaching himself to. You know, it's kind of like a rocket ship. You have that booster that gets you up and going, but then when you get into outer space, you don't need it anymore, and you just kind of drop the booster back to Earth. You know. Tony Khan was looking for a vehicle. He was looking for his boosters to attach his giant spe- SpaceX roster to. But he is now coasting in outer space right now, unneeding of the elite. I think it is wonderful that he is staying uh, uh, loyal to them and re-signing them and giving them that NBA money out of respect for what they did or because he doesn't want to see him go to WWE like Cody. Make of that what you will. But they they were the boosters to the rocket ship, right? He is now coasting. And I think if CM Punk had been willing to get into business with Tony Khan at the exact same time, which I think is entirely a possible conversation that may have happened, we would be looking at all punk wrestling right now. And um, it would have been the same thing where he would have got off the ground with punk and would have started to go out and find his own way. And at a certain point, even punk would have been just a booster to the rocket ship. So I, I, I get it. Uh, I get the, the passion there, and I understand the ego that comes along with that. But I think that's that's just what it is. You know what I mean? Well, I don't think it's fair to play down uh, the Bucks and All In, right? Like, no, it's That not. was completely proof of concept of what Tony Khan wanted to do. Like, it's one thing for Tony Khan to say, hey, I want to start a wrestling organization. It's another thing to show up at All In and go, oh, well, this can definitely work. You know, Mm -hmm. this can definitely be a thing. And the underground hardcore movement of the Bullet Club at the time, of, um, you know, the Bucks and Cody, and that really, and, and BTE, really fueled All In. That fueled all the storylines. People were into it. You know, there's a lot to be said there. As far as WWE signing them, there's one aspect of it I think people underplay, and that's the intellectual properties aspect, which is they are called the elite. Tony Khan paid a lot of money so that you don't hear the name elite on WWE TV. Mm-hmm. I think that's a huge part of it. Yep. Sure, they're great wrestlers. Sure, they're they're the heart and soul in a lot of ways. But AEW would survive without them, right? A, they have a huge roster. But what AEW might be too big to swallow for AEW is to have all elite wrestling and have the elite on WWE. And I think that was a big part of the negotiation, a big part of the reason they signed. Can you imagine the three of them showing up with Cody and calling themselves extremely violent people? 
Right, right, exactly. The EVPs, the yeah, EVPs. Yeah. It'd be yeah, great. And, and I think WWE would have looked to sign them because they jumped on Cody the minute they found out he was available, according to the Peacock documentary and also <laughs> a, according to what actually happened. Yes, um, yes. You know, uh, it would have been a terrible thing for Tony Khan as far as optically, as far as marketing, and I would call it intellectual property, the elite, the name, the elite, you know. But that being said, the promo by Matt Jackson, Nick doesn't talk a lot, right? And Cash doesn't talk a lot, right? And so the promo by Matt Jackson seemed a bit to me like stuff they actually say when they're arguing with people. Mm -hmm. So I agree. Yes. And I would argue yes. that the kind of lack of, I don't want to say respect, but maybe the lack of validation from each tag team to the other has been maybe the genesis of their reported issues with each other. Yeah. Uh, dude, there was you a You saw it loud and clear on that promo. Dude, that that promo, if you're just looking for bullet points in this, this past 12-month timeline or 14-month timeline since everything went cattywampus with Punk, this is a wonderful little bullet point, and hopefully towards the end of this story, because it was the first chance, I think, for people to kind of get a glimpse into what is actually why these why these two entities actually aren't able to come to the table right now. Right. So. It's 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 not so much like the story should have been for the first match, the two greatest tag teams in the world. It wasn't. They convoluted it and it was terrible. The second one was rushed because of things that happened. This one should be about the two greatest tag teams in the world, but it's really about the story that's happened the last few years. And so that's what makes it interesting is why why did FTR have to disappear off TV, book their own angle against the Briscoes, have three of the greatest matches in tag team history to put themselves back in? Like why did that ha why did that happen? Like that is the story of this match and the Bucks have never been hotter than they were the day before AEW started. Like I don't know what they've done since to kind of make themselves a tag team legacy, but certainly the last couple years, if you're talking about in the ring, tag team wrestling, I'm not talking about selling t-shirts, I'm talking about in the ring, the Bucks need this match for credibility as a tag team. Yeah, and it's going to be a banger. It'll be historic. It's going to happen in front of a ton of people, so uh, strap in, everybody. I'm excited to see it. We'll know more about it on the other side. By the way, I'll have Stephanie Chase on Tuesday, who will be in Wembley, talking to us about what that was like. Um, We'll get back to All In. We'll talk a little bit more about All In before we uh, we get to Zoe Stark and a little WWE news. But I want to call out the other big news story here that's been going on in the past 48 hours, and that is the speculation around Edge, Adam Copeland. Uh, ironically enough, a very good friend of Cash Wheeler and Dax Harwood's. Um, Pro Wrestling Torch put out this report yesterday. Wade Keller put out this report yesterday saying Edge told WWE what it would take to retain his services and retain uh, and resign with the company. WWE apparently declined that offer. So the way that the report came across was that Edge was asking for a lot of money, possibly knowing that Tony Khan had a big bag of money on the other side of the aisle. And now Adam Copeland could be AEW bound. Now, on that note, just this morning, maybe 90 minutes ago, probably less, uh, Copeland took to his social media, dropped a video addressing the speculation and he just and he noted uh, that he just hasn't made up his mind. He's like, you know, just settle down for a second. I, I had this match. I don't personally know what I'm going to do. It could be nothing. I could go off and just be a dad and sit in a rocking chair. 
uh, or maybe I'll wrestle. Who knows? And that was it. Tried to kind of play. Definitely wanted to play down the idea that he tried to like maybe extort or ask too much money from WWE to keep his services. He really kind of seemed to want to play that that narrative down as well. What do you think about the Edge situation, Matt? Well, it seems to me that he uh, was asking for a matching offer. That's what it seems to me, right? It seems to me he asked for money. He did not get Wade Keller, and we've had a history. Wade is Wade, and he's interesting and whatever. But and he, and he generally a good guy as long as you don't do things he doesn't like. But sure. when he when he does scoops, which is very rare, you can kind of believe him. You know what I'm saying? I, like Wade is a lot of things, but he ain't no liar, and he's not a makeup person. And he holds, unlike a lot of people, who hold their integrity as something important to them. Wade's integrity is actually pretty intact. Like he's he's someone you can trust. So when the story comes out, you know that's true. Uh, Dax Harwood, noted uh, journalist Dax Harwood, broke the story in January on the podcast of FTR with Dax Harwood with Matt Kuhn that uh, Edge and Christian versus FTR could happen sooner than you think. Like, he said that in January. As you may have known, um, uh, Edge and Beth worked out with Dax. They live in the same town. They work out together. They worked. Uh, it, Dax helped them uh work on the shatter machine, you know, um, that they did. Like, they're very close, and I think some talks had happened. I hope no one out of uh, between Edge and Cash and Dax, I hope no one's father dies in the next few months because Christian will probably make fun of them. Oh, buddy. That line, bro, <laughs> That line. that line last night was... Like, I don't know how Christian comes back as, like, babyface tag team with Edge. Like, I don't see, like, how you come back after that line that he used, you know. But I think that uh, Edge is definitely going to AEW. Like, there's no doubt about it. Well, and it wouldn't wouldn't you rather see Edge come back and, like, maybe feud with Christian for a little bit, right? Do a heads up with him. Like, Christian's so hot. Adam's like, dude, what the, what the fuck, man? Like, you're an asshole now. Like, come right. on. They and, I, I mean, to be fair... I have thoughts about that line, but like Christian has become against probably a lot of odds, a very intriguing, compelling looking must see part of AW television. So I'd love to see edge come back and put him in his place a little bit. And then maybe a year from then leads to them tagging together. I mean, this is, this is not surprising to me. Christian has made chicken uh, salad out of chicken shit on a regular basis on his career. He went to TNA and somehow made himself look bigger. Everyone else that went there seemingly uh, seemingly walked away a little bit bruised after that experience in one way or another. So I'm not surprised by Christian at all. And I think the idea of Ed Edge coming into AEW, feuding with Christian to the point that one day these two are, uh, they're six on two, their backs are against the wall, they're forced to come together, fight off these guys. Edge, you know, Christian changes his ways, pairs with Edge. You're six months right there I just gave you. Yeah, and I will say about uh, the Christian line, I know we we're just talking about edge but the christian line last night about i heard you had a father that father's dead like as soon as he said i heard you have a father i just start laughing because i know it's coming but then he does a line like you know uh you'll be the second person that you love get in a coffin you know and here's the thing is that i know he signed off on it i know he approved on it but nick wayne is fucking 18 years old i know he a uh, 
four months ago couldn't consent to a contract. He couldn't consent to a sexual relationship with an older person. He couldn't <laughs> vote. I'm saying he had no ability to consent legally. No, I'm well aware. It's just I hadn't really thought about that. And again. now they're asking him to consent about a line about his dad dying in a professional situation where he might, maybe wrongly, feel that the consequences if he doesn't play ball. I think it's bullshit. I think that's terrible. And I think Nick Wayne is way too young. If they're supposed to be taking care of these young wrestlers, that ain't the way to do it. Be like, oh, Nick's cool with it. No, screw that, bro. Nick's 18, and he just turned 18. I know 18-year-olds. They're not going to make the right decision there. That was BS. Well, I mean, but they, they, I mean, they did stuff with Pillman Jr. Pillman Jr. is not that much older than Nick Wayne. There's right? a world difference between 25 and 18, though. I guess, yeah. You know? I, 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 look, <laughs> I was doing a lot of crazy things in the Chicago comedy scene when I was 18 years old and saying a lot of crazy things um, and doing a lot of crazy things and saying a lot of crazy things. Um, it doesn't bug me as much. That that stuff really doesn't. Uh, I mean, I get it. I, I can understand the critique. I, I totally get it. It doesn't. It, it's wrestling. This kid's been rolling around GCW for three years. I mean, people have said and done crazy shit to him. I'm sure this isn't the first time that people have buried the, you know, his dad yeah, or, you know. But the like people that. in GCW, and I know the person who brought him into wrestling, because I remember we were having dinner a few years ago, and he's like, bro, Nick Wayne, Nick Wayne, Nick Wayne. He's probably 15. They take very good care of Nick Wayne. Like, the, the people in GCW took very good care of Nick yes, Wayne. Yes, they like, did. Like, really nurtured him right mm-hmm. and so like how how old are you you're, you're over 30 right i am almost 40 matt i am okay. 38 years old bro i work with 18 year olds okay in to- yeah. 2023 18 is not what it was 22 years ago like oh boy you know what i'm saying i'm just saying it's not there's no there's old no Cancun over here yeah i'm just saying <laughs> i'm gonna go as soon as i leave here I have an hour lesson with a kid I'm really close to who's 18 years old I'm giving a lesson to, right? Yeah. This is a kid that watches my dog. This is a kid that I give life advice to. And he's not the only kid that age I work with. I would be very uncomfortable if someone went to him and go, hey, can we uh, exploit your dad's death for this promo? You know? I'm just saying, I know it's wrestling, but he's 18. And, and it's just something, the coffin line, I don't know, man. Like... That 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 is that is just I don't know, but but we can agree to disagree. Hey, you're right, and it is a, it is this this is a conversation I feel like gets brought up pretty regularly too. When do wrestlers cross the line? When do they not? Right? This one doesn't bug me enough. It's the stuff where they denigrate women and call them bitches and like all that kind of stuff. That's the, that's the stuff I really just don't take to this 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 is. I understand the critique. This one doesn't bug me as much. Um, all right. Well, let's get back to the all-in card here real fast. Uh, there were a couple updates. So Tony Khan on the media call, he uh, he said that there's going to be changes to the card and the fans should be prepared for more changes to the card. Biggest wrestling show of all time. Strap in. There's going to be some changes. Well, I'm going to run through what the so, some new additions, some changes were to the card last night. and We can kind of reflect on all-in as a whole based on, on what we're seeing here. So first of all, Ray Phoenix, he got pulled from the AEW All-In card. Uh, they did an injury angle last night uh, where he was taken out of the stadium stampede match. Um, Sean Ross Sapp over at Fightful was the first to report this, uh, said it wasn't injury-related, appears to be visa issue-related. I asked around. Here's a little bit of scoop for the show here today. Uh, I was told he can't travel outside the States while awaiting his residency. So that's exactly why it appears he was taken off of TV. 
Um, AR Fox, he got fired from Mogul Embassy. He's been replaced by Christian Cage in the coffin match. Santana and Ortiz, they returned in that same segment we just talked about with Phoenix going down to that injury. Uh, they're going to be partnering with the Blackpool Combat Club to take on Eddie Kingston and company in that stadium stampede match. House of Black, they're going up against badass Billy Gunn, not daddy-ass Billy Gunn, uh, versus the acclaimed in a trio's title match. Fozzie is going to play Judas. Chris Jericho will sing himself to the ring. And on the zero hour, you will also get Hook possibly winning back his FTW title from Jack Perry. So much loaded into last night's show for All In. Uh, what do you think of all the changes, the new directions? What stands out to you, Matt? Threw a bunch at you there, buddy. Something that stands out to me a little bit is the Air Fox thing. Air Fox basically almost murdered Nick Wayne in his garage two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And now he's on the other side. And it's almost as if, like, and then today you said Edge put out a video or a, a statement trying to tamper down any kind of like expectation of anything. Of course, we know his contract might not be up yet. Of course, we know that, you know, he's not allowed to wrestle certain places for 90 days. But I also know that WWE in the past, including with the revival, has let people negotiate these things away. It The only thing that makes sense is Edge appearing at, at, at all end to me because wow. this, okay. this AR Fox thing seems out of the blue. It seems... It, it it it's fine. It works for me, right? But at the same time, it seems like what it seems like they decided this after they did the Nick Wayne angle, right? It's not like they did the Nick Wayne angle and decided, hey, we're gonna stick with this for a while. You know, we're we're gonna switch it up in a week. He's gonna make Nick Wayne bleed in his rig in his garage. Then a week later, he's gonna be with Darby again. Like that didn't make a lot of sense to me. So I I know it can't be Edge, but it seems like. It has to be Edge. Um, with um, with uh, Ray Phoenix, that's unfortunate. That sucks. I will say overall, Tony Khan, I, I've been critical of him in the past. I don't have a problem doing it. I think he kind of hit a home run last night, and I'm very much looking forward to All In, and I was not. Like, I was like yeah. in, the, in the camp of whatever. Like, what are they doing with this card? But now I see it's like kind of he's trying to make it like mania. You know, he's got Bundy and the midgets, you know. He's got, he's, you know, like WrestleMania three. He's got Adrian Adonis, but he's also got this work match. He's got his Savage Steamboat in FTR versus the Bucks. He's got all these different things going on. He wants the lights. He wants the fireworks. He wants Chris Jericho singing Judas to the Ring. Can't wait to hear his voice on that. He wants it all. It's going to be a big show. I'm very excited for it. Yeah, man. I, speaking of mania, I, I'm, I, what do you think? Battle Royal gets thrown on this thing on Zero Hour just so everybody can say they worked Wim- Wimbley? It's, it's got to. Tony Khan has shown an inability to keep people off the card. Not, <laughs> I mean, some people may may give it, uh, attribute it to a lack of discipline. I attribute it more like he's just a nice guy, you know, who, who doesn't want to hurt people's feelings. So he's like, all right, let's do a 45-man, multi-man tag team match and get everybody on, you know. So I think a battle royal probably will happen. And, and I was actually talking to somebody about this the other day because I, I would I would a be interested to see how many wrestlers are on an AEW show on average this year versus a WWE premium live event. Anybody who wants to run those numbers for me, please go ahead. Because one of the things I think that I think the reason AEW seems so injury and drama prone 
is just because there's so many more people involved in these shows, right? When you have a smaller pool of people, you'll get one or two injuries maybe here or there that throw the card off. But when you have so many people that you're trying to get onto a card, the chances of injuries or outside the ring antics or whatever increases. And I think that's, uh, I think that's an attributable factor here for why we kind of see a lot of this last second shuffling sometimes of AEW cards, uh, edge to edge to AEW. So what are you thinking? Like what swerve gets pulled at edge and Christian versus Darby. No, I'm thinking edge comes in with, uh, uh, Darby and sting as a tag team partner against Brian cage and, uh, Wow. Um, Brian Cage and Christian Cage Christian. and Swerve. Wow, you 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 believe that will happen? I eh? think it's possible. Like it it whenever I see anybody on like Maximilian Maximilian Jacob Friedman, right? Whenever okay. you see someone online really trying to make you believe something, you kind of go, oh, if something is showing who they are or showing the truth, that's one thing. The Edge thing sounds like someone. Make trying to make you believe something like Max online is trying to make you believe he's a good guy now, which right. leads me to believe he's a bad guy, right? Like he's 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 doing pictures with kids online. He's sticking up for cash. He's doing all this stuff online now where you're like, oh, maybe Max is a good guy now. And I think the edge thing, that's kind of the fun. I was talking to a friend of mine last night about this, and it just seems like when you take that plot line and it just happens so quickly and then edge going, Hey guys, I don't know what I'm going to do when PW torch is going, he knows what he's going to do. You know, yeah. he's not going to stay at home because he's not going to stay at home because he literally said, WWE pay me this much money and I'll stay. Right. So it seems to me that maybe a vignette, maybe a something, you know, I would say at least a vignette, at like alluding to him, which I think they can legally do um, at All In. Wow. All right. Well, hold your breath, everybody. Uh, well, one name it does look like we're going to see standing center stage in a major event here is Jinder Mahal, WWE heading to India for Superstar Spectacle. The Observer saying Jinder and Senga and what's the third guy? I didn't write it down. Senga. I never see him anymore. I don't know. I, I apologize. Veer? Is it Veer? Yeah, it's Veer, yeah, Senga. Veer, Senga, and Mahal. They're going to be center stage here at Superstar Spectral in India. Obviously, John Cena is going to be on the road with them. I I said this yesterday. I was on. Uh, I was talking to. I forget who I was talking to. I was uh, talking. I was talk, talking to Connor Casey on Tuesday, and I think John Cena's gender Mahal makes all the sense in the world for the show. Am I crazy for thinking that? No, it makes total sense. And another yet another attempt by the wrestling industry to break into the India market. The the vaunted. <laughs> They're like, guys, there's 40 billion people there. If there's 40 billion people and we get 0.1% watching our shows, that's 20 million people, right? Like, they're, they've been trying this since, what was that, Raka King in TNA and, like, all these different things they've been trying. They've been, this vaunted market, I don't, I mean, good luck, but I think they're playing 5,000-seat halls there. Like, I don't think it's. They're playing huge places, are they? Kali, Kali draws big crowds. I know that he's got his school there, and I've seen pictures of him holding events, and, you know, they're hanging from the rafters for Kali. It's the, the problem is there, it's just that there's not a lot of disposable income. People there live a pretty simple life. And it's an issue. It's a poverty-stricken. Uh, people would rather spend their money on, on food. <laughs> so shocking. Shocked by that. Yeah, it's difficult. You know, it's just difficult to to really squeeze some juice out of it. And as much as you want to reward those fans and bring them, I I think it is great that they continue to go back there and continue to try to make inroads there. Hopefully, the Indian government 
can make it worth WWE's while to keep coming back there for the fans there. Cause that's usually how their premium live events work these days is there's a bidding for it. But as far as just trying to squeeze the juice from the actual fans, that market, it's just difficult. It's been, it's like you said, man, it's notoriously difficult to, to get anything out of that market. And they keep trying and trying to try different things. And it's, it's almost very cynical, right? Like it's the only market. It's not the only market, but it's this thing where like, well, we want to break in this market, so we need to have Indian people. Like, what? You know what I'm saying? Like, let's get some Indian people in there. Jinder Mahal's been off TV for two years, or he's only on NXT. Let's bring him, and they'll come to see him because he is also Indian. He's American Indian, but nonetheless, I think it's a very cynical, myopic approach to marketing. You know, um, it, it it it's fine. Have fun, guys, but. But I don't know if this is the approach that's going to break them into the heralded Indian market. All right. Lastly here, before we get to Zoe Stark, and uh, actually we'll wrap up here after this, and we'll throw to Zoe Stark to end the show here. Uh, Sports Illustrated spoke with Dana White, and he shot down the rumor. Ronda Rousey is heading back to UFC. So there it is, official in black and white. What do you think is next for Ronda? I think Ronda is not done with wrestling, I'm guessing. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I think she moved the needle for Fox in the contract. I think she moved the needle in a, in a lot of different ways. I don't think she was used really well. I thought she was great. I just think they put her in a position like she's a judo specialist who can do arm bars. And they're like, go in the ring and talk for five minutes. And it's like, no, I'm not. That's not what I do. Like they could have taken care of her better, you know. So either she's going to retire or she's going to wrestle. She's not going to do UFC. She might, maybe she'll box Logan Paul. You know, maybe she'll do that. <laughs> hey, that seems to be a way to pick up some, a bag of cash. Box one of the Pauls, Jake or Logan, and walk away a millionaire. That seems to be the case. Um, I think she's back at WWE as well. And I think that, I hope they keep her as a heel. If they do bring her back, I I still want to see her with Heyman. You know, she was always supposed to be like the female Brock Lesnar. Just book her like Brock. You know, and I don't know if that means putting her in the bloodline and she's like an honorary oose and you got Paul talking for her. And honestly, I don't hate that either. They don't have a female in the mix, but I want to see her with Heyman, man. She, she, uh, you know, somebody to talk with her, like to talk for her, to teach her how to talk, to bring her along. How long did it take Brock Lesnar to learn how to talk? That's the thing is they should have done. I don't know why they did not pair her with Paul out the box that is a money pairing right there you know paul Heyman is back because when brock first came back whatever it seems like a year ago but i think it was 10 when he first came back and he did a promo he's like nope can't do this bring Heyman on bring him on and now brock brock lesnar is an amazing promo right he he learned under the learning tree why not have i think you might have had some of that old school mentality jealousy against Ronda too, where, oh, she's got the big contract. She's treated like this. We're not going to, you know, the wrestlers might have froze her out a little bit. I don't know. But they could have done better with her, and it's not too late because not only is she credible outside the ring, but she has a unique moveset that is very credible inside the ring. You Still, she has these judo throws. She has her little arm throws and then her arm bars and her weird little Piper's Pit move. They're all very credible, very very unique, you know? And I think she uh, comes, she can still be a big deal in women's wrestling. Yeah, I agree. All right, everybody. Well, that brings us nearly to the end of the show. We are going to wrap up here with Zoe Stark. But before we throw to Zoe, I want to let everybody know, uh, as I said earlier, Stephanie Chase is going to be joining me on Tuesday to talk all the news of the past week or the weekend. She will be at AEW All In. She will be in the press conference afterwards. 
And uh, we are going to talk all about her experience there and all the big news coming out of All In. And uh, I've got a big UK guest as well for Tuesday, Gunther, my SummerSlam uh, weekend interview. Thought it'd be a nice pairing here for the post All In episode. So enjoy Stephanie Chase and Gunther here on Tuesday's show. Uh, also on the Ho- House of Wrestling podcast feed, if you are watching us in video form or premier streaming network first run, thank you. This show is also available on the podcast feed after it airs on premiere. And man, we have a lot of stuff uh, thumping, not just on the podcast feed, but also our YouTube channel. Uh, I got an interview with the inspiration. Uh, Jess McKay and Cassie uh, are going to be on the YouTube channel and the podcast feed tomorrow morning. Uh, and I've got an interview with Richard Holiday that is going to be dropping on Monday morning on the YouTube channel and podcast feed. That, of course, complements the great interviews we've had this week with Conan, uh, labor lawyer Lucas Middlebrook, and all the WWE SummerSlam interviews we've released as well. So all of that, the YouTube channel and the podcast feed. If you like it, subscribe, leave a nice review. Matt, anything uh, you want to plug, put over here before we throw to Zoe Stark? Well, I'll have some things coming up, but you can go ahead and check out the YouTube channel at Wrestling Friends with Matt Coon. Kind of lost interest in podcasting by myself, so I'm going to have some new things. I think there's going to be something called Matt Watch coming up soon, so we'll see. And then also, uh, I might do some stuff with Nick here at uh, you know at House of Wrestling, because I'm a big fan. Me and Nick, we cool. And uh, just follow me on Twitter for my terrible takes and my um, uh, tantrums at Matt Coon Music. Terrible takes and tantrums. See, that's the name of your podcast. Dude, that's not bad at all. I'm writing that in my bio as soon as I get off this. Terrible takes and tantrums with Matt Kuhn. Holy hell, I like that a lot. All right, everybody. Uh, Well, hey, uh, I'm about to throw the projector here on in the living room. Feel free to stick around and enjoy this conversation I had SummerSlam weekend uh, with the one and only Trish Stratus's muscle at the moment. It's Zoe Stark. It's Nick Hausman here with House of Wrestling, and I have a big interview right now. WWE superstar Zoe Stark. Zoe, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. What a great time for your career, right? I mean, you're on the main roster. You're working with a legend like Trish Stratus. Let's start there. What are what are some of the things you've learned from Trish as you've been working so closely with her the last couple months? So that's a very popular question right now. But here's the thing: I can't share that information. If I share that information, I don't know who is watching this, right? What if it's Becky Lynch right now? I don't need Becky Lynch knowing our plans and what Trish Stratus is teaching me. Okay, fair enough. Well, it is. Uh, it was very glaringly obvious that Trish and Becky Lynch didn't make the SummerSlam card, right? They had their match on Raw instead. And then overnight, this huge conversation seems to have erupted about the state of women's wrestling and pro wrestling between not just WWE, but also elsewhere in the community. Sure. What are your thoughts on Trish and Becky being moved to Raw and off the SummerSlam card? You know, I, I'm a firm believer in everything happens for a reason. You know, Hunter and Vince, they're both smart guys. You know, Hunter's, there's a reason why they're not on SummerSlam right now, right? So when you do see that match with Becky and Trish, it will be well worth the wait. Just know that. So it's okay. It's fine. Guys, chill out. Women's wrestling is doing great right now, right? We have a lot of amazing talent. We have Rhea Ripley, me, of course. Of course. Trish Stratus, Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair, Asuka. I can keep Bianca Belair. You go down the list. We're good, right? What was it like working with Hunter specifically down at NXT? How was he he working with the women down there? Hunter's very hands-on. Yeah. He's a, he's amazing to work with. He's there at every Raw, and he's available for questions, and he's available to just help and mentor you, and he's great. 
Okay. He's amazing, yeah. Have you had a chance to talk with Vince McMahon at all? I know he's back in the creative fold. I don't know. I don't know if he is or isn't well, back in the creative fold. Yeah, he is. They've kind of confirmed he's working remotely. Okay. Yeah. The man that I work with is Hunter. Okay. So I met Vince once. Very nice meeting him, you know. Um, but Hunter's the guy. Okay. Right Got at it. At least for me. He's, he's the only person I see. So when you first aligned with Trish Stratus, you ran to ringside, you grabbed Becky Lynch, you drop her with your Z360, and you broke her nose, just like Nia Jax did. What was the what was the conversation like after that happens, when you break somebody's face like that? Statement made. Did you exchange words at all afterwards, backstage, over what happened, or no? No, in all seriousness, uh, she we, we did talk, and she was fine, she's good, like, her nose, you know, it happens. You know, we're in a very physical sport. It's not, I don't ever want to hurt anybody. But yeah. when it happens, it happens, and you go back and you apologize. And that's exactly what I did. Went back, I'm so sorry. I didn't have, it sucks when it happens. Yeah, for it sure. It sucks. Yeah. But it's, it happens. Well, we've seen a lot of former NXT talents come back to NXT here in recent months. And it's really cool to think about you and Trish maybe going down there and doing something together. Is that something that's on your mind, or are you more focused on Raw and SmackDown activities these days? It's been on my mind. I love NXT. It's, it's amazing. It's a different crowd. It's a different feel. I'm having a blast with Raw. Uh, but if you know NXT wants to bring Trish and I down to kind of scope out the talent and see what's going on, we're more than happy to. All right, last question here. Obviously, the tag team titles, the women's tag team titles, just changed hands, right? We have Chelsea Green, Shayna, or not Shayna, Sonya Deville holding the titles now. You and Trish are obviously attached to the hip. Are the women's tag team titles on your list right now? Why wouldn't they be? I don't know. That's why I asked. Yeah. Of course. You know, of course we would love to have those titles. I think right now we're solely focused on Becky Lynch and making sure that we get rid of that problem, and then we can move on. Awesome. Zoe, I want to thank you so much for the time. Thank you so much. Appreciate it.